G'day everyone, Dave and Paul here. It's the last day of a long, hard, arduous, but for most accountants, successful year. We got there. Well done. It's our last episode of the year, Paul, and it's brought to us by Intuit QuickBooks. It is, David. Hello. Uh, welcome all uh, as we we crawl crawl to the world and the towards the end of a year. Looking forward to a break. Uh, QuickBooks out with their gender equity in accounting white paper. Uh, bringing this episode to us today. Very important issue, David, getting uh, look a far greater awareness as it should. I think historically we've uh, the industry has had some real challenges. Low unemployment, high demand market kind of feel like the time uh, has never been better to address this. And you've brought to us a uh, Women in Accounting, I believe, episode. Uh, so, yep, brought to you today by... The Gender Equality in Accounting White Paper. Download a copy today. Just Google Intuit QuickBooks Gender Inequality White Paper. You'll be able to access it. This is a jam-packed show, Paul. I recorded it a few months ago on the back of the Chartered Accountants Gender Pay Gap Report. It is still just as relevant. I hope you enjoy it. Some deep thinking over the summer break. From the trenches, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer, and we are brought to you by Change GPS, productivity, profit, and performance. Just like that, compliance advisory and practice management tools for accountants of all sizes. We are joined here today with my old good friend, Shay Thayer. Paul is having a rest Welcome, Shay, back to From the Trenches for, I think, your second time as well. I think so. Thanks, David. I'm pretty excited for today's session. I am very much looking forward to teasing out why the floor is lava. Why? That's my attempt at my radio voice. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you, the radio voice is important. It builds a little bit of resilience <laughs> between you and the audience and the dear listeners out there. Uh, the floor is lava on today's topic. Today's topic is the gender pay gap report. This episode started because I called Shay up and said, do you want to write a blog for Trenches called Does Diversity Work? That is the clickbaitiest of clickbaity headlines. I think Trenches is the only outlet that could get away with something like that. And it's in response to Chartered Accountants Gender Pay Gap Report. The report showed that female partners earn 60% less than male partners and 70% of men don't think that's a problem. Now... This is a hard topic to talk about, and I'm going to share my experience with this uh, before I uh, very quickly introduce some of our guests that we've got on today. I saw that report, and my first response was BS. No way they earn 60% less, and if they do, there's no way 70% of males who have an ethical standard as part of their professional designation think that's totally fine. As an accountant, I'm trained to look at data and dig a little bit more. Uh, I tried to, I didn't get too very far, but some of our guests did. So I'm going to welcome onto the show as well with us today, Shay, Kylie Parker. Hello, Kylie. Hi, David. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Pete McCarthy. Hi, David. Great to be involved. Thank you. And Paul Jans. Thanks, David. Thanks, Shay. Thanks for having me. Now we've got Shay. Got you round the. You did the cattle herding here. Why are these three fine accountants and titans of the accounting industry on today's show? Well, 
I didn't get to meet Peter at the Accounting Awards, but I did see him on stage and I was really, really interested to um, unpack what sits behind the award that they won recently. So um, Peter's firm won the uh, DNI Award at the Australian Accounting Awards most recently. And I thought it was great. I was excited. And um, recently when we caught up on the phone, I just loved listening to um, – I'm not going I'm not going to – cut your lunch here, Peter, but um, I just loved listening to how much of all of that was just a no-brainer, both from, you know, just a human perspective, but also from a commercial perspective from your firm. So that is what really, um, why I was super keen to include Peter in this discussion, because I am um, really interested in that. Kylie, I am- I, a, I, I, need, I, need, but, to, I need to interrupt you there. Peter, what's the DNI? Gosh, what's the DNI award? DNI, I don't know what DNI is. Dungeons and igloos. <laughs> Thanks, folks. <laughs> well, DNI, Dungeons and igloos, or diversity inclusion, is based on this idea. We believe that everyone has opinions, ideas, stories to tell. People's opinions matter. Their stories matter, and we want to know them. So our program, We Are Precision, is basically a playbook that gives the green light for all our team members to get involved, contribute, tell it like it is, regardless of things like age, sex, or backgrounds. Congratulations. Thank you. We're very proud of it. Excited for the win. Me? My turn? <laughs> I'm pointing to Shay on our – we're on Google Meets today. <laughs> um, and Kylie as well. So I'm a, huge, I'm a follower of Kylie on Twitter. I love how direct she is. I love having a laugh at some of the things that she posts. And I also love uh, that, like me, you have um, – it's probably, I would describe it as a soft filter. I don't think we need to filter everything we throw out into the world all the time. I think some things are okay to land directly. Um, and I just love that about you. And I know that you and I share some share some views and also don't share some views on this particular topic, which I think makes for an amazing conversation. So super excited to have Kylie on the panel today as well. Thanks, Jay. That's what uh, I clearly have become known for expressing my opinion. And I think that's largely for for years being in bigger firms where I was uh, told what I should and shouldn't say. And so now that I have uh, have no one stopping me other than sometimes a few friends that say probably that's crossing the line I, uh, every now and then, I kind of get myself into all sorts of trouble. I'd, and, say, uh, I'd say we could have a segment called Kylie's Corner, but I get the impression that nobody puts <laughs> Kylie in the corner. I was talking to the CEO of Greenpeace on uh, Friday in relation to the work that I was doing with uh, the Great Barrier Reef. So... I got a compliment from him on my forensic research skills. So. Outstanding. Mm. Kylie, I, I might be wrong on this. On Twitter, have you accused me of organising a mammal? Was that you? A mammal? A mammal. Uh, it's, a a it's a panel comprised of men. Oh, I don't know. I've, I've accused many of people of that. I, think um, I've been I can't a, keep track. I'm, I'm, I think I'm on the list. Possibly. Yeah. That's a... Uh, it is one of those uh, topics that sometimes it's interesting, actually, because I'm known to speak out every now and then something that doesn't even cross my radar. Someone else will have seen an issue and they'll raise it with me. So I can sometimes be the voice for people that would ra rather remain silent in the background. Welcome to the world um, of oversensitive people, I think. There, <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, you know, every now and then my husband sort of, who is also a a chartered accountant and a CFO of a company, you sort of you know, say, why do you do this? And it's like, well, why not? It's, uh, it's raising difference of opinions. If everyone always keeps quiet, nothing changes. Love it. 
Uh, well, can't wait to get into the meat of the show. And we've got Paul here, Shay. Yes, Paul. So Paul and I only met recently, but um, I was highly encouraged to reach out to Paul and just get to know him because I'm not, I'm, I can't remember exactly the conversation, but it was, you need to meet this person. And I was like, right, I'm going to do that. And the first time that Paul and I had a conversation, it was like, I don't know what you thought, Paul, I don't want to get weird, but I definitely thought like we, we are not just shared the same views on stuff, but you know, it was such a lovely, a lovely conversation. And one of the things that I love about Paul is, um, Gee, that's getting a bit deep straight off the bat, Paul. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> was just listening to you talk about, you know, particularly as a dad of three boys, what that response, parental responsibility means to you, like not just keeping people fed and alive, but actually from the perspective of how do we how do we raise boys? I don't have boys. To be honest, I don't know how anyone raises boys because I just don't know that I would cope, but you just give them a I football like- and put them outside. It's not that hard. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty simple. Yeah. I, I think my two after <laughs> dancing, David. So. <laughs> there That's you go. I told you nobody puts Kylie in a corner. <laughs> my poor boys. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Well, my eight-year-old daughter is getting to be a bit of a Brazilian jiu-jitsu master, so we don't need to be gendered about any sports here. But, yeah, anywho, so that's that's um, uh, why I really wanted to have Paul on the panel today is because I love I love listening to him talk about his views on, on that side of thing. Um, and obviously he's got amazing insight over, you know, the accounting industry in general. Um, so, yeah. All right. Paul, I'm thrilled to have you here as I talk over the top of you. That's what happens when you get new people on the show. We've got to work out our vibes and how we're all working together. The floor is lava on this topic. I was too scared to uh, express my first gut feel response, which was that there were problems with this report because it just didn't make sense to me that you know I know a couple of thousand male accountants, literally. Within our business, we'd come across 500 every single week. I find it very hard to believe that seventy percent of them think that it's not a problem that somebody else earns sixty percent less, whether they do or not. I found I just found it very hard to believe, but I had to bite my tongue. I felt like if I went on any social media, even if I came on trenches and just put this in our old worst on ground segment, um, I, I would have. I don't think I would have been heard. I think that the people who are the bra-burning feminists, as Shay liked to quote them, would have jumped on me way too quickly and I would have been... I was scared to voice that opinion. And if I'm like that, then I'd guess that a fair chunk of the 70% who think there isn't a problem would probably like that as well. And I'd guess that the 30% who think that uh, there is a problem and might be doing something about it didn't talk up either. And that's why when I jumped online, all I saw was shock and horror about what this report was. That was the only commentary I, I could see. And if I did see someone who had a dissenting opinion, they were trolled very, very quickly. Shay, why is the topic lava? I think the topic is lava because as, as a bloke, even with the best intentions, it is a very, very, um, it's a very narrow scope to get right. 
it is uh, for, I guess, for us, and I'm going to put my hand up and say I am definitely one of them. I am incredibly passionate about this topic. I am a staunch feminist. This means so much to me, both from, you know, a moral obligation perspective, but also for a just better outcomes for a client's and firm's perspective that um, I've completely lost my train of thought, David. I'm glad you're editing this. It we just happens edit. to me all the time. We don't edit. <laughs> but for me, I... It, you know what? We don't heart. edit. Shaythai is very. I've never met. Shay's never lost her train of thought. So this is lava for you talking about it on a show that we plan for mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. why mm-hmm. this is such mm-hmm. a challenging topic. Yeah, and with all of my data and all of my notes on my other screen, absolutely. Um, look, there's two sides of it. Um, it. There is lava for women, and there is lava for men. Any uh, what I what I what I worry about the most is that. Um, together we need to solve this problem and we have completely polarised everybody. So in attempts to do, um, I say the right thing, I'm doing air quotes, everyone, the right thing, or in attempts to support and be supportive of this, um, you know, good outcomes in this space, as a bloke, when we have a go at it, I say we, but obviously I'm not a bloke, um, as a bloke when we have a go at it, we really risk huge amounts of criticism if we put like even your little toe wrong accidentally. And I say wrong in air quotes as well, because I don't think it is wrong. I sort of, I'm really um, challenged by the idea that we can't approach this with empathy. Whenever we talk about, you know, if we talk about how we facilitate innovation in our business, right, we have to have a permission to fail because otherwise we don't start I don't feel like we have that. So that's one side of why the floor is lava. The floor is lava on the other side, I think not so much for me now because I don't know why, but I feel a lot more confident to talk out loud about this stuff. Perhaps it's got something to do with not being in a firm anymore. But um, I think we run the risk um, on the female side of speaking up, up about this stuff as Oh gosh, that thing again, back in your box. All the things that, you know, many women like me have experienced in their career. Not every woman, um, but a real sort of stigma that sits around the idea of being feminist when feminism is really just about wanting equal outcomes for all genders and all people in the world. So that's why I think the floor is lava. I, I might just jump in for a second there because I think the from a bloke's point of view, um, and I suppose there's Peter and David on here as well, but you, you, you're right, it's a, it's a really interesting one because I think the um, with the virtual lunch series that I run for the professional partners, we ran one, Women in Accounting, and we, it was all about hashtag women in accounting, and we raised a number of key issues when I had Brooke and Beck on the show as my guests. And um, it's, it's a really interesting one because... Where does the where does it stop and where does it start and how do we start to it's great that we're having this so again thanks for the for providing the platform because I think it's not about just a a one off it's a bit like I sort of look at it and sometimes say it's not like mental health you can't just talk about it once you've got to continually raise awareness of it if you want to make change and that's the great thing about the new generation. Um, I look around here and I'm probably the oldest one here, but I still think that we've got a massive opportunity to, to change the mindsets of people and how that gets viewed. The next line of the message and how it gets delivered and accepted as well. So I think that's, um, again, this platform is awesome for that. 
Oh, can, I, can I jump in just with a, uh, I think for me it's Lara and I think Scott Morrison summed it up really well when he said that we want to see women rise, but we don't want to see women rise only at the basis of others doing worse. And, and so that to me is why it's a topic that is so controversial because there is a perception that for women to be doing better, men have to be doing worse. So whether that's right or wrong is you know, beside the point. But I find if you've got 70% of men saying that you know, there isn't a gender pay gap, then you kind of have to ask yourself, well, what are they fearing in terms of changing and actually having a look at that across the board and to really, you know, digging into the data. All the big four firms that came and said that report was inaccurate, I didn't see one of them coming out and actually producing their real data across their firms. I'm happy to be proven wrong on that, but they've got the facts what? and they could easily dispute that report by producing them. Kylie, is the report accurate? My view on the report is so 82,000 people were sent the report 4,517 actually completed it so 5.5 percent responded and of those that responded it is between Australia and New Zealand and then the way that the report reads when it looks at uh, across the board of the the age of the respondents and their remuneration obviously the younger you are the less you earn and then you've got the people in terms of the average income and the salary. That age split isn't shown. So you could have had, you know, 800 men that were 50 plus, including their financial information versus, you know, the rest being women under the age of 30. And yes, you're going to get a gap. So for me, you know, I am a numbers person. I do like being analytical and, and the data can show whatever you want it to show. And so if I were producing this report, you know, I wouldn't be running with a headline that there's a $110,000 gap between partners in accounting firms. Uh, that, that's clickbait. And, and so unfortunately, it actually goes against us as well in having a conversation. It does become the floor is like lava when you lead with controversial statements. So for me, the information that really is concerning is that seven out of 10 men don't think there's a problem and yet three out of 10 women do think there's a gender pay gap. That perception is what I think needs to be looked at. Shay, what's your experience with that perception? Let's let's put the report to a side now. You've worked at uh, yep. BDO, Kylie's come out of Deloitte. Um, What's the perception? What's the problem with it? The perception is real. And I think um, just for a bit of background as well, I've done quite a look, not extensively, but in the process of um, writing another piece, have done some global data mining of this, right? And um, I, I think you're right. The perception is the issue. The minutiae of the amount is irrelevant. Um, it, it's definitely a thing and it's a thing not only just because people think it's a thing but because it is a thing. So certainly my view, my interpretation of what's happening here is it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that we ha are underrepresented as women in leadership in firms consistently across the accounting industry, like across from a firm perspective, and then when we look into our roles in corporates that the C-suite is dominated by men. That is factual. That is consistent across the world. That is a thing. 
So it doesn't, you know, it's basic deduction that says, well, okay, if we're taking average men's salaries versus average women's salaries and more men have senior roles, then of course there's going to be a difference. That's not rocket science. So for me, the the actual issue or the actual um, opportunity slash problem to solve is actually how we bring diversity at a leadership level, is actually how we not, and again, for, for just the sake of it being the right thing to do, but also because we have that data that says when we have more diverse, more diversity at a leadership level in our organisations, we our organisations perform better. We make more money. We make more profit. We are more attractive to talent. So that that's the thing that I that you know those two things together are what really drives my view about that. Pete, I'm going to ask you in a moment about the make more money part. Because you said to me previously, I just don't understand why this is a problem at all. It makes such perfect commercial sense. I'll get to that in a quick moment, but I want to give voice to an opinion that the seventy percent have that you can that is about as this is the actual eruption coming out of the volcano, and that opinion is. But I've spoken to all of my female leaders. They're happy working less hours. They're happy with less responsibility. They want to bring. They're happy bringing in less work because they're looking at overall work-life balance, and so because of that, their remuneration reflects their contribution to the business. That that's that would be a very commonly held opinion from decision makers. Are they wrong, Shay? They're not wrong if we're talking statistics. So obviously, that makes perfect sense, um, but. What we know is that the gap and the representation in leadership is still not there. So the the wage gap is not, you know, is not materially affected by that particular element. It is moreover affected by the fact that there just isn't as many bodies, isn't as many female bodies at that level. So you would probably, yes, even if it was the numbers were equal, logic says to us we possibly would have a higher proportion of female leaders working less than full-time hours. And so when we take an average, that makes sense. But what we know from the data both the CAANZ data and the global data is that when we do apples with apples, that's not actually what we see. We do actually see a disparity when it's apples for apples, full-time equivalent, like no, no, no gray area there, right? Black and white. So for me, it's about where do they go? What is causing this cliff when we know that, for example, and again, right across the global data, consistently we see a 50-50 split coming in as grads. What we also see is rough parity at an, at, from a people representation perspective, bodies. How many people do we have working at each level of our firms, manager, da, 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 da. And it is consistently pretty much at parity right until you get to director level and then you get a little dip but as soon as you get close to partner, it falls right away. So I'm talking about a shift from 50% consistently in the firm, dropping right down to 20%. And that is consistent across the globe in the industry. 20% representation of women bodies, regardless of their FTE, in leadership in our firms. Um, Kyle, you were uh, the HR partner at your prior practice, not at Deloitte. I just, it wasn't Deloitte, it was no, the practice afterwards. No, it was in another firm, mid tier firm. Um, so how many staff were there? 45. Would you share the experience Shay just shared? Would you reckon that's what happens in that practice? 
Uh, no, actually. Um, but that was largely because... Because uh, you were in the room. We are. I mean, I, I started the sole practice I was in uh, sort of after my first son was born and then we merged that literally when I was pregnant with my second son. Wow. And so I was turning up to partners' meetings with you know, a, a newborn the first week. So I'd just go in every Friday uh, with my son up until he got to a point where it was too hard to sort of have him in the office. And and so I, when that partnership worked, it was really good. We had equal equal pay, equal profit distributions between the four of us and uh, and we just had different ways of um, adjusting our time. So for me, I wanted to leave earlier so I could go and pick the children up uh, for one of the guys who liked playing golf. Someone was Jewish, so he left Friday earlier. So we all had our personal choices as to what what made a difference. So from a, a, an economic remuneration point of view, uh, some of the partners brought in more fees. I did all our HR and our finance role. Um, and so we just... We evened it out. So it was really good while it worked. We did have an end-up issue that was probably a bit gender-related, a couple of extramarital affairs. Um, resulted in a few different life changes for me, a divorce and a business split, but it wasn't as a result of um, you know, a gap in pay. What I would see, though, more from Deloitte was my experience, very much so, of women that were at a director level having children and leaving versus the, the few that got through to a partner level and then had kids were more likely to be retained. So, and that's just across the board. From my, my cohort of, of client directors, you know, I would say, you know, a lot of the women, are they, they married men that, you know, had good incomes and, and so they've made decisions to not work. So, yeah. I think there's some issues there around why there's a gap between men and women overall and what happens. Quite often that can be a personal choice, but I think we've got to ask as a community to what detriment is that doing, you know, for our social wellbeing as a, a society when we aren't able to to keep very well-educated women in the profession. There, from anyone who's, I think, had the experience, it's certainly my experience when, when there is, let's, I like the line, Shay, women aren't, in, they're not at the boardroom table, they're not in the room. Um, I think that all the studies I've read show that it is makes good commercial sense. Pete, you actually practice this. You think it's obvious. M one of my old mentors, Julian Kersner, most famous for taking a specky over Stephen Silvani at the MCG, and I think he played six games, he used to come to me and he'd say, we're doing turnaround work, and he'd say, it's common sense, Dave, but is the sense common? Just because it's so bleedingly obvious are people actually doing it? And I have a feeling that applies to what you said. Yeah, well, I, I don't have the big four firm experience, so I can't really speak to that issue of why people fall off the cliff in those workplaces or the advancement issues. But I've got a good idea, and I think it probably isn't too dissimilar to the issues that impact female advancement in smaller firms. That's where my experience is, and there are limited opportunities for advancement simply because of the firm structure. So the constraints that exist in larger firms can still be very prevalent in smaller ones, even amplified, and this can be particularly problematic where the firm's partners, uh, principals and leadership group adopt the old practices that existed in their previous firms. You know, like I said, we're all products of our own experiences, but I tend to think that probably everyone listening to this podcast have all completed the same degree, we all complete the same CBD each year, and we've all completed the CA or CPA program, so we're all on the same footing. Uh there be plenty of people who think people who've done the CA program are on a higher level and did the CPA program, but we'll, that's the age-old accounting-ism that's out there. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, back when I did the CPA program, Newcastle was a CA town and I felt like a bit of an outlier. Uh, as Shay said, new grads are coming in at a 50-50 male-to-female representation and everyone basically has the same skill set and qualifications, but then something seems to go wrong that doesn't maintain that mix through the career progression. And as the survey said, and I'm reading this, uh, almost half of women surveyed have taken career breaks the main reason being to care for children or others. And two-thirds of those women who did take a break said it impacted their career. I mean, two-thirds, that's really troubling. And I also think it's maybe not so surprising. I think that an idea that runs through accounting as a whole is this belief that we do what we do because that's what we've always done. And that idea can really impact a firm's culture and limits its, its ability to think outside the norm. I think there's often, not always, but often a belief that to progress your career, it needs to be a static bum in a seat working a standard 7.6 or an eight hour day. And that needs to be done in the office, working with the team and focused on timesheets. But I see that there's a real opportunity here. There's an enormous talent pool out there waiting to be engaged. That talent pool may feel somewhat sidelined because of things like the need to care for children, for example, and maybe they feel that they can't fit into what's considered the industry standard. So I think why not look at something different? 71% of our team are female. 86% of our team work flexibly. Everything we do is managed through cloud-based systems. I think a flexible 15 or 20 hour week could be mutually beneficial, really impactful work of high value. It allows you to engage with team members who I think would be very loyal, grateful for the opportunity to maintain the career progression, you know, albeit in a different, non-traditional way. I mean, a few years back, our industry went nuts with the offshoring concept, so why not this? And as you say, David, it's common sense, but is the sense common? I think it's not, and I think one of the concerns is that there may be a drop in quality or perhaps a drop in value. This episode is brought to you by Intuit QuickBooks and the Gender Equity in Accounting Addressing the Career Cliff White Paper. Paul, you've had a good read of it. What stood out to you? Yeah, David, I, I think the for, for me, look, I've always had a, a really, I've, I've had very strong female uh, role models in accounting and uh, managers uh, and female partners. So I know that's not the norm, but it certainly has. And I, I tell you what, David, one of the things that's, that's you know, been really interesting to me over the last 12 years I've had my own firm, you know, I, I reckon I've met as many uh, female people, females who have started their own firms as well as men. And I think that's been a real, a really good thing that I've seen. Um, but certainly the industry needs <laughs> the rest of the industry, David, is, is still a bit of a maybe a lag from an, an earlier time. One thing really got me in the report was that the research showed about a third of all staff uh, and there wasn't a gap. It was 31% of men, 29% of women uh, who said that they were successful in achieving a pay rise when they asked for it. One of the things, I mean, we, we spoke about it earlier about the uh, it being a really job seeker market. You know, the, the demand uh, for the availability of staff is, is, is extremely low. So pretty much you can get what you ask for. Really important, I think, uh, in this issue that we didn't see a, a much of a gap there. Uh, which was good. I think also Joe Considine uh, from CAANZ did say in the report, sunlight is the best disinfectant. I think white papers like this, episodes, uh, podcasts like this that you put together, David, uh, for uh, around this issue uh, are all important and do shine some light. So we'll, we'll help uh, help bring us back on track. 
Fortune favours the brave, Paul. If you're not happy with your employment situation, if you love where you are but just want to earn a little bit more, go in and ask, see what happens. Put up your case, explain why you think you're worth it and let your employer decide what you are worth to them. Paul. Otherwise, enjoy the rest of the episode. Thank you, Intuit. Paul, you've coached thousands of accounting firms. Uh, why does the value drop? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think it's a, um, I was just thinking back then, I was trying to visualise with the firms that we were working with over the years, there was always a lot of female managers, but did they go on to become partners? That's what was going through my brain at the time. And I actually was thinking there was more that left that firm to go and set up their own firm. And that's probably what I've seen, which has been interesting. Um, and if you think about, you know, I think Kylie, could you, you know, you've probably done that as well. It's, there's, there's, there's been more that have left that, whether it was a three or four partner firm or whether the timing wasn't right or um, that's been my experience that I was just working through in my own little brain there just to try and work out, yes, all the different firms. But there was always a lot of female managers and certainly senior managers but never went on to that next side of becoming a partner. Why? Good question. It's probably a, uh, whether we've got time to debate that or not now, it's, 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 well, it's, a, it's a good thing, isn't it? I'm not sure it matters why, because I think, I think, it's just a, I think that happens. You see that everywhere. I'm not sure the why is... Uh, I'm not going to debate the fact that that happens because Kylie's done it. Um, Shay left a big practice. Um, and I think as well this is aided by the fact that you need a public practicing certificate, a Microsoft Surface, uh, some cheap insurance and a kitchen table, uh, an XPM connection, you've got to practice now. And off you go. So yep. it, it, the barriers to starting are just, they're just not there. So the, 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 there are probably a few forces in this shade. So then in the context of something that I hear every single firm struggling with right now, and particularly audit teams, in that they cannot get staff the big four are pinching all of their staff. They're throwing huge dollars at them, yada, yada, yada. In the context of all of that, why is the why not important? Why is the why of women leaving firms for whatever reason it is, why is that not important? That's, I think that's critical. I th- no, sorry, I think it's important. It's important to get part of this, the solution. I don't think it's important when working out if it's happening or not. I think it's happening. I don't, I don't, Check. Like, I don't need yep. a CA report to do it. I can have a look through the GPS members. I can just see there are just so many sole practitioners that are new and just need things to get started. Um, so that was a bit of context on that one. Um, but let's get into that why then, Shay. What? Because, oh. because I'll tell you why the why matters. I'll tell you why the why matters because you want to get a solution. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's paint a rosy picture. Pete, what happens when you get this right? Let's be greedy capitalists for a second, Right. Because if we weren't making money, I know you love. I know we all. I know accountants love their clients. I know accountants love the community building element of being an accountant. I don't think you'd be doing this if you didn't get a reasonable paycheck for the amount of risk, training, uh, professional reputation you put on the line every time you go to work. What's the financial upside of getting this right? Yeah, there's there's a number of upsides in getting this right. Uh, frankly, work becomes more enjoyable, and then of course there's the financial one. And this is where diversity and inclusion can really pay dividends. I'm a guy in my mid-40s. I've never been a woman in her 20s. I've never been a mother. 
I want people on my team that aren't me. I want different perspectives on how we can do things. You know, the more diverse the contributions, the more creative we'll be in all areas of the firm. This gives us a big edge over our competitors that aren't thinking the way we are or aren't delivering the things that we're delivering. It's like, you know, the box of Cadbury favourites. The, the differences are what makes it better. And I think secondly, and I really don't understand why this doesn't happen in other firms, but it's the advantage you gain in being flexible. To be flexible, you've obviously got to trust your team, but the idea that a team member might be working school hours or after the kids go to sleep is an opportunity. It increases the value of everything the firm can do. gives you greater service offerings, better responsiveness. All of these things are things you can charge for. The, the reason it doesn't happen in other firms is because of leadership. So I don't think you should underestimate the strong leadership you're showing in your practice. And we'll get to, to that in a moment. Kylie, your practice has grown reasonably fast since you went out on your own. Or not, I don't know if it's fast or not, but how I know that your practice grew is that on Twitter, you proudly shared the fantastic drapes that you put in your office. Um, when Lotus went into new accounts. I think this was a couple of years ago. And I, re- I remember you doing it because I was like, how like how proud is this person of their accomplishments that they can afford fancy drapes in their office? <laughs> I think it was, uh, it was actually my uh, painting that I have that most people seem to be impressed by, um, oh, the start go. grow bloom I'm, that I'm, I did. That- I'm a haberdashery kind of guy. <laughs> okay, yeah, I wanted, to, I wanted to have that set up. Um, uh, I think for me relationships are really key and so sort of to go to Peter's point uh, it it is being able to trust people and I would this is going to be a bit controversial so I would say women are typically more sort of nurturing empathetic and so sometimes some of those skills suit a better leadership that is more trusting It, it relies on um not micromanaging someone. You have to sort of make sure that you've trained people to be able to do the job that you need when you're not there to oversee them. I, I subletted in a, a firm that they wanted to put up cameras, security cameras in their staff room because they thought their staff were wasting time. And, uh, and, and I know of other firms that, you know, big mid-tier firms that are listed that they send an email around saying it's lunchtime. And so how those firms, in my mind, have always then moved on from you know, being in an office and how they're coping with their staff working from home. I mean, I would love to see those management meetings and partner meetings because even for me when I had, you know, when we discussed the staff reviews and, you know, with, with three male partners and, and I introduced what was called chameleon time really on early on. And so that was you needed to be in the office between the hours of sort of seven and six. The only time that you all had to be there at the same time was between um uh, 10 to 2 so there was a bit of a gap and everything else was how you if you came in early or you came in late that that was irrelevant that was up to what suited you and uh and and just getting that across the line with the three or particularly the two older guys was uh it was ridiculous and um and so for me I started Lotus Accountants uh after the split of um of my old firm and I actually went and worked at zero for just under two years and so I also got an opportunity to see a lot of accounting practices and from sort of Chatswood up to regional Australia and you know it, it did it surprised me still the lack of women that were running firms and then and that was um, further supported by when I put uh, Lotus Accountants into the Fin Review the top 100 and I was one of only two accounting practices fully owned by 
women. And, and that shocked me at the time. I was like just adamant that that couldn't be the real statistic. And so you know, with myself and Lalette and Kelly, we formed Account Tech Global and that was originally just to try and create more inclusive events. Hang on, um, hang on. No, no, no. We're going to tell the Account Tech Global story here. I don't even know uh, if you remember this. When, no, we used to do some things up here. When Account Tech Global launched, which was three women who tried to get together to create a lot of awareness and opportunity for particularly female speakers, um, you sent me and Paul uh, what you're trying to do and when you come on trenches to promote it. And I sent an email back saying, great, here's all my questions back. And Kylie, you resp- do you remember what your response was back to me? Mm, no. Would you, I'm about to be told, though. <laughs> it, would you have spoken down to a male oh, guest if right. he was trying to yes. do something like that? And my response yeah. was, no, I would have just let them come on the show and torn them apart. Yeah. And, that, that was, and, and you know what? That is a great example. I thought I was doing a favor to friends because I thought that what you presented was a bit incomplete at the time. Oh, I think there was a little bit of a digging about what we were doing. No. I can, uh, yeah. There wasn't. But, uh, um, so, uh, but that, at that the time, a, I know you're... But that is, an exa- that is a great example of where the, the floor becomes lava on this stuff. We didn't have a problem in, in putting, putting it on trenches, but, but the que- and I reckon I've still got the email. I thought there were gaps in what you were presenting, and if I would have had you on trenches, it would have looked really bad. But you interpreted it as having a go at the purpose of what you were trying to achieve was my read of it. You've been waiting a while to say that, haven't you? No, not at all. Not at all. I just remembered it when you just brought it up because this, this is exactly what we want to try to achieve. I'm thinking that I'm doing a good thing. There are a lot of men who think that they're doing a good thing. And, Paul, I'm going to ask you to share your story on this yeah. as well. When we think we're doing a good thing, it's, it, it, all of a sudden it becomes controversial. Yeah, I think my recollection of, of those events was still, we we're trying to create an event that was exclusive then of men. And so it was still, um, and speaking, you know, very much for me with Lillette and Kelly, you know, they are such amazing, you know, accounting industry women that for me, I've learned so much from being with them and, uh, and, and having people that are there to support you and, um, you can have a difference of opinion, but the way in which they can tell you that it's coming from a place of trying to improve what you're doing rather than a place of criticism. So I think that's what sometimes is, is really important. So a male can come in and we can be doing something and that's perceived as a criticism. It's like, you know, well, you're doing this where a woman can come in and say, well, I'm trying to be supportive. So it's the way that communication is often is given as to how the response is also going to be taken. And so I think for me, when, um, and back to my, I suppose, original point is with the Fin Review, when there were only two accounting firms out of 148 that put forward, that to me says, well, you know, and you're right, you know, we are in an age where you can set up accounting firms a lot easier than we used to be able to. And so, I could probably name six now that I know of that, uh, and I do think there's that if she can, I can. I love that kind of, you know, you talked about uh, earlier on when we were um, having a conversation about the swimming and, you know, you look at role models and, and look what's happening at the Olympics and there's young children all around Australia that are looking at these moments and going, well, I want to be able to do that too. And that for me is, you know, I, I look at the practice and I look at the people that I now network with from that are females and it, it is, uh, we can learn so much from each other because we do things differently. Uh, it's- 
Unfortunately, I, I don't share that experience. I do find that men regularly get their heads chopped off. Um, and, and, and the best example of it is being accused of organising a mantle. Um, to me, that is one of the most tokenist things that anyone trying to advocate for this can do. Um, I've been accused of organising a mantle because on a full day session where we had 50% female speakers, one talk had three men talking. Um, why would I bother trying to do anything to solve this problem if I'm going to put my reputation at risk like that? It's just, it, it, that to me is the pinnacle of why this topic's so hard. Um, and so, Paul, so you do understand that three men on a panel is a medal? <laughs> but it doesn't matter. But it doesn't, but it doesn't matter. It is. No, but it doesn't matter because you can laugh it off now while we're on a video call and it's easy to be friends. But when somebody's being a keyboard warrior, that tone doesn't come across. And quite frankly, it's bullying. Um, and Paul, uh, you've, you've recently, I'm, I don't know, I don't know the exact story, but recently you've had an example where you're trying to do something positive and it hasn't been interpreted the way it, the best intentions were, uh, you had when you started it. Yeah, hundred percent. I think the, um, and I think it, it, it is when you do put yourself out there a little bit and we've put ourselves out there in doing, trying to do things a little bit different and trying to encourage people to have a voice. Um, yeah, we, we did that with our, uh, I think it was our Women in Accounting virtual lunch where I invited a probably 20, 25 ladies to be a part of a promo. Um, I probably got 20 out of the 25 that said yes, which was awesome. Then we also asked a number of gents to be a part of that as well and to share their experiences of what they're hoping to achieve and why do they want to be a part of this and how are they going to try and get this message across. And you're right, that does, and there's no doubt, whether it gets misinterpreted, this is where sometimes the old, they going back ages ago, sort of men are from Mars and women are from Venus, sometimes comes out because it does get misinterpreted, the message that we're trying to encourage. Um, and that was definitely misinterpreted. There's no doubt about it. Um, and it made people at the time, I still remember getting a phone call and um, made people feel really, really poor when that was not their intention. And we even had that discussion. I had that discussion at the time with the firm and he's, he's, he's a good lad um, and he was made to feel really bad. And, you know, it, it, it happened more than once. So again, the how that gets interpreted at all is always an interesting one. Um, and I think the whether it's, I don't know, I suppose Kylie mentioned it before with empathy and whether or not that emotional intelligence side comes out or how it needs to be taught. And I suppose looking forward, I think that's one of our greatest challenges. I sort of wrote it down before in terms of how is the new breed of people coming through? Let's say the, I don't know, the 25 to 34 year old leaders coming through, who are they, who are they holding up on the mantelpiece in terms of who is the leader here and how am I going to change if nothing changes? And that's probably the, again, another really interesting debate to, to chat about because there needs to be some, some change within to influence that. You know, we sort of said at the start with regards to how I'm working to influence my boys, major part of my role as a dad is to, is to do that and for them to see things very differently. And for me as a 52-year-old male to make sure that I've experienced a lot I've, I've done a lot, but how can I em, em, empower them to be different, think differently and act differently and behave differently? 
that's a, it's a, it's a massive part that I'd love to continue to push because, again, it's well, like a mental health. You can't just talk about it once and expect that it's going to be good. You need to continually raise awareness to it. Your, your boys are going to be the next uh, males who are in the boardroom. So they are, I have no doubt, I'm, I don't know if you've already trained them up on how to present to boardrooms as part of uh, parenting skill, modern parenting skills, but I think that there is absolutely uh, a way to bring more empathy into our children so that, that they end up acting differently. Well, I think it happens anyway because I think the world's moved and they're exposed to different ideas uh, more than we were. You know, I was exposed to agro pinching carry ans but on agro's cartoon connection being broadcast on free-to-air tv i mean that's <laughs> that's how we, that, that, it was a well-loved show it's just insane to think that that was common um these days people before we speak about leadership um and i challenged you and said is the sense common paul's talking about uh, some positive stuff the way he brings up his kids to me i think that there needs to be an assumption that if anyone is trying to do anything on it that it comes from a very good place um, I don't feel that is always the assumption at the moment. I think it's it's fangs are out really quickly in the conversation. Shane, I, I saw a story about this before. Um, there was a, a lady on LinkedIn who told a story of a, a pretty horrific story about how she was treated in the workplace. It, it, it was it, it was just it wouldn't pass the sniff test for anyone. Um, and then a couple of days, it exploded, went viral. Unfortunately, I don't have the link anymore. I think she may have even taken it down. It went viral and she came back two days later and said, received so many direct messages from white, middle-aged and older men in powerful positions saying it's a horrible story. How can they learn to be better? And her response was, well, I'm not helping you. You just need to work out how to do it yourself. Um, Shay, <laughs> like, this stuff doesn't help. Yeah, I, I totally agree. My helicopter thoughts on all of this is we're at a place that we all don't like. We want to get to a place where this is not a thing we have to talk about anymore. It's a given. It's a no-brainer. I don't. I'm not sure I'll live to see that, but let's just pretend that's going to happen. And in between, there's hard things that we all need to do. Now, some of those hard things f- for me, for example, are parking my like allergic reaction to uh, um, quotas and tokenism and this idea that it should be a meritocracy all the time. I have to park that because that is in my blood, in my soul, what I feel is right. But my feelings about moving this needle are greater than those. And so I have to do that hard thing to park those, those things that are really important to me. Um, it, it comes back to the empathy piece. If someone is offering to help acknowledge that that is a, um, and again, I don't want to make it sound like it's two sides or it's a war because it isn't. We're all together. This is a human topic. This is a human problem we're trying to solve. Firms are not gendered. Firms are firms. They're a thing. They're not a gender. So, I mean, that upsets me because she put so much effort into telling her story, which is an incredibly brave thing to do. Obviously had, you know, some beautiful support um, sent her way. Um, and just shut it down. It, it, it does upset me. But just to be clear, it's very different from <laughs> telling someone to go and look up the how to deduct, you know, what's the right deduction for work expenses rather than coming and asking me straight away, can you look it up first? But very, very different, right? And I just, that sort of stuff crushes my soul because I'm grateful to take help on this stuff. Um, I'm, you know, happy that we have a variety of views 
on this stuff. And I think we do need to have a variety of views because I don't think I've got the answer. I'm sure you, maybe you do, David, but, but I'm sure you don't, David. I don't think That's any right. one person. There's a, there's a, there's a reason <laughs> I've um, brought all of you fine people on the show. It's it's not easy. Yeah, look, that 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 was upsetting. And look, I... Um, my my truth is nothing as brutal as, you know, what you and I discussed around that piece, but it is a thing and it is things that happen still today. And, you know, without trying to solve the entire problem, there's some really low hanging fruit in terms of things we can stop doing, you know. So one of my first activities that I was asked to do in managing a, a firm's capacity was to actually identify who might get pregnant next. Like that, that's just flat out wrong. It's outrageous. Um, you know, if we take Peter's mindset, we might do it and say, great, awesome. They're going to want to be super flexible and that's going to really impact our client base by having greater coverage. And that's a positive. Whereas clearly they were not asking me because of that. You know, I've seen very, you know, s- systemic, really structural things that prevent women from progressing in firms. For example, in one firm, there was no mechanism to have a part-time partner. What even is a part-time partner? That's not a thing. So, of course, we had our first female partner coming through, potential partner, I'm doing air quotes, that there wasn't a, a structural mechanism within the way the entity was set up of that firm for her to be a partner. That is BS. That is wrong. Um, you know, I replaced somebody in one of my roles and I was offered 40 grand less than him. Like, what even is that? Look, and everyone can have their views about how much value I can add, but whatever. It's would, not, would, you know. We would have paid you under shame. <laughs> Shut up, David. Um, so, like, there is some things that are really obvious that still do happen. They don't happen in firms like Peter's. They don't happen in, you know, firms like Kylie's, but they still do happen. And particularly where there's... Where I, I feel like there is such a significant responsibility that, and I'm not absolving anyone of responsibility, a really strong opportunity or a significant opportunity that sits with the larger firms because they have the ability to have the greatest impact on this, the, on the, the breadth and depth of this issue, right? Because we look, we whether we like it or not, we still see the larger firms uh, in a position of leadership. Their partner groups are visible to us. You know, we can all see that there's more Peters and Matts in those firms than there are female partners. And we all know in our hearts that it's not right. So I do look to them to provide more leadership. I do look to them to be um, deliberate about what they're doing in removing some of these barriers. I don't know how I got on this tangent, but I'm, I'm going all right. <laughs> I, well, we need to start wrapping it up. We're about uh, five times the length of a usual episode. Uh, before I throw to Peter and Kylie, you can have a think about it now. I'm going to ask you guys one tip, just one tip, particularly for small practices who view a lot of what we're talking about as a luxury. They're just in a fight to get tax returns lodged and staff applying for their jobs. I'm going to ask either of you one tip to think more like your individual approaches, but I'm just going to share something that I literally just got sent on LinkedIn in a private message. I I cannot believe I just got this while we're talking about it. Hi, David. Would you be interested in joining our business owners men's group here on LinkedIn? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not joking. Uh, We believe that together we are better. That's that's how it's been signed off. No. Kylie, I'll start with you. Um, You know, not sending messages like that would be one of the tips. (laughs) But what's your one tip for for anyone out there who says, you know what, I could probably be a bit better? Um, I suppose the first tip would still 
to actually just have a, a run through your salaries. I mean, given that that's what the the start of all this uh, topic was about was, you know, is there a gender pay gap and, and answer honestly whether there is or isn't. And and I think the second one for me is you know, looking at, at flexibility and how those adoption of those practices is in your business going forward, not just whilst you know, we're in New South Wales while we're in lockdown. Um, you know, we, we've all learnt so much and so how you can actually keep some of those practices going forward once the lockdown ends in your business so that you, it provides more flexibility for women to be, remain in your workforce. Uh, Pete, let's focus on one thing in particular. You, you seem to espouse flexibility as a key thing that, that's enabled a lot of this stuff for a typical small practice that thinks a bum needs to be in a seat for it to be working. It's the one thing you can do to change that. Well, I agree with Kylie. I think we should take advantage of what COVID has forced us all to confront within our businesses. And it doesn't have to be business as usual anymore. But you can't front up on Monday morning and say to the team, right, tomorrow we're going to enable flexibility. Flexibility is a a concept that has to fit in with the business culture and your other core beliefs. Um, I think the accounting industry overall is inherently very conservative. We're all products of our past experiences and training and professionally we are probably quite conservative. So I think what's really worked for my firm is to create a forum in which business development can occur regularly and openly. So for the last seven years, my COO, Kelly Eek, and I, we get out of the office, we grab a coffee, we talk about what we can do better, uh, what we'd like the business to look like, what ideas we have, what new concepts we'd like to try, and we do this without fail for 90 minutes every week. And it creates this space where we can be creative and develop things like our diversity inclusion program. We can work on our core values and ideas, amongst other things. Um, At the recent Australian Accounting Awards, we also won the award for Workplace Wellness Program, and that's another product of these business development sessions. You know, we say things like, there's no sitting on the sidelines, and we tell it like it is, and there's no sugarcoating it. But you can't have these things if you don't give the breathing space for them to develop. So I think the one thing that I'd recommend is that firms carve out time regularly, make that creative time a priority, look at what the business needs are and how thinking a little bit outside the traditional approaches to staffing might in turn give the business a fresh focus or a boost. It's amazing what you can achieve in 30 minutes a week. Well, this podcast gone a lot longer than 30 minutes. Uh, my deep thanks to Kylie, Pete and Paul. Uh, if people have resonated with um, what you've spoken about today, starting with Paul, what's the best way to get in touch? Mate, check us out, theprofessionalpartners.com. It's probably the best thing. Or check me out on LinkedIn. Um, I get hit up with a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn and do a search, get in touch we can chat. There's a whole heap of different content that we've been doing over the last couple of years as well on our YouTube Professional Partners Plus, kit with the plus, like seven plus and Disney plus and everything else plus. So we've gone with the plus as well. Um, so people can recognise it. So yeah, a heap of our content. And we're just there to educate and share with our wonderful accounting industry. So thanks for the opportunity. Well, so LinkedIn's a good way to reach out to you. I'll send you an invite to my professional men's network so if, uh, we can hang out. <laughs> Kylie, um, are you happy to take call? I mean, you're busy running your own practice. Are you happy for people to have a chat with you? Uh, well, I probably would promote my book, Planning Plan B. So that's uh, something that I wrote really based on some of my experiences that went wrong in uh, my professional practice. I've got a copy of it. I'm trying to see if it's on my bookshelf. Got a copy? I think it's in the have other you read room. it? Uh, the table of contents was very impressive. 
<laughs> so, uh, so it it really is around uh, how to prepare for ten of life's unexpected stressful you events. Know, you know why, and, you, uh, actually, you know why I didn't read it? It's actually why I didn't read it because of why the book was written. Ah, that's never going to happen to me. <laughs> well, it's it's. it's when uh, it's obviously I've self-published it, but when I was uh, its publisher was saying there's too many things in the book. So in terms of the topics, but uh, what I find is it really is around the sort of the divorce and death and sort of estate planning. So the idea of it is so all my clients now know about like you know it's a joke. It's sort of you know it's Plan B, and so it's that um, raising conversations you know, for your clients that you know it, who could ever have predicted COVID, but people being out of work, you know, it's. Um, some of those things, if they had read Plan B and uh, and how can, put how, into action some of those, it would have been done. Where's Plan B sold, Kylie? Uh, it is on uh, Amazon and all kind of across all bookstores online. So there is actually a free EPUB file because a large part of why I wrote the book is to, to help other people so they That's wouldn't right. have to go through flick, what I did. Flick, can you flick me that? If you've signed up to yep. From the Trenches updates, we'll put a link to the free uh, Kylie Parker Planning okay. Pan B book in our email that goes out after this episode. Pete, best way to get Otherwise, you will find me on Twitter, by the way. <laughs> I've <laughs> <laughs> We can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn and as well through our website. What's your website? ptam.com.au Excellent. Shay, you don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to help. <laughs> You're part of the problem. Yeah, I'm definitely part of the problem. So noisy, so, oh, such Ugh, a nag I am. Her again. Gosh, what it what it used to be? Oh, it better not be the Shay show. I used to hear. Um, yeah, people used to say that I'm, about me, and then I started my own podcast. Really? So, yeah. <laughs> really, is the yeah. really is the David show? Um, I'm honestly happy to help and um, support anyone that wants to do anything in this space. David, you reach out to me a lot for advice. You don't like some of the advice I give you, but I appreciate the ask. Um, helps us all get better. So, either on LinkedIn or Shay at shaythire.com, Happy to talk. To whoever is trying to do good in this space. I asked for Shay's advice because I know she's going to give me a uh, comment or an opinion that's different to the way that I think. It's deliberately challenging. Um, Look, everyone, thank you so much for your time. Dear listeners, if you have uh, stayed on for the 58 minutes that we've been recording for, uh, muzzle tov, you've gotten through the longest trenches episode of all time. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas, get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.